Now. 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 The Music Biz Weekly presents the Rockstar Branding Podcast. Turn your band into a world-famous brand. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rockstar Branding Podcast. This is number 87. It's been a while since we've seen you guys, but uh, here we are yet again, the three of us. How's it going, guys? Not too bad. Good. I'm so, sitting in my treehouse, so hopefully the uh, the Wi-Fi uh, doesn't uh, screw up on me here. So I, I just, literally as we started this, I just saw some news. I get my news off of Facebook. You know, screw, screw the media. Facebook yeah. is my news source. Yeah. Um, Dick Wagner passed away. Oh, no way. Yeah, Dick Wagner is the original lead guitarist from uh, Alice Cooper's band. Yeah. And he'd been in, he'd been in some poor health for a while. And um, sad news. A, you know what? Speaking of, of Alice Cooper, away. speaking of Alice Cooper, um, did you know that comedian Mike Myers just produced and directed um, a documentary movie about, I can't remember his name, but Alice Shep. Cooper's manager. Shep, Shep. Gordon. Yeah. That's right. Shep Gordon. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Shep yeah. Gordon, who also managed, um, if you see it's either Teddy Pendergrass or Luther Vandross. I can't That's remember. right. I think it might even be both, per- perhaps. But um, yeah. but anyway, it's uh, I, I was listening to the Mark Maron podcast the other day, and Mike Myers was his guest, and they were talking about uh, this uh, this documentary they did on a music manager, which I thought was pretty cool. The, the documentary's gotten some great reviews and great great feedback. Um, I don't think it's hit anything. I don't know if it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime yet. I think it's no, I think it just finished kind of doing some festivals. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, it sounds really, really intriguing. And it, uh, it uh, really just speaks volumes, apparently, on um, the power of having a manager that actually cares. <laughs> well, a- Alice and Shep are like, they've been like this forever. Yeah. yeah well, there's a lot of loyalty from the artist standpoint towards Shep, which speaks of his character and... You know, but it, that's an interesting thing because I don't, I don't even know if a manager is as vital as it used to be. It depends you know? on the size of the Rolodex, maybe. Yeah, well, well, Ron, they might be able to help you get your gear through customs. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You used to be able to, dump, used to, be able to just dump it in their lap, and yeah, you know, those days are over. I mean, I don't think people really realize that. You know, one of the things that you talk about is being self-sustaining as an artist and learning how to do so many things that prior to you would just, and, and I've been doing this for 30 something years and it's still occurring to me that there is a whole host of things that used to just dump on a record label or a manager that doesn't happen anymore. Even if you have a manager or if you have a label they've taken a lot of these things out of the equation and them cutting back due to the nature of the lack of non-commissionable events, I think as a manager, we call them. <laughs> oh, that sounds, uh, that's a quotable. That sounds like a Gene yeah, Simmons you know, phrase. Yeah. A lack of non, you know, I once heard a manager say the only thing worse than waiting for an artist to become successful is trying to commission an artist who's trying to become successful. And so, you know, it, it's, I think the days of the Shep Gordons and, and, you know, the great managers, you know, are, 
are also history or have changed or evolved. Well, dude, especially for, um, I mean, it's very different if you're managing someone who already has some momentum going in their career. And yes, there are things to commission. But I mean, I manage artists for a number of years and I've said it on other podcasts. There was a couple of artists that I managed for, you know, two years. And after I stopped working with them, I could make as much in one one hour phone consultation with a client as I did in two years of managing an artist. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, trying to get ten percent of starving leaves you homeless. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when the guys make like, you know, it, they're like all excited because they made two hundred bucks, and like the last thing you want to do is, hey, can I have fifteen dollars? It's like, what, what the hell are you talking about? Well, listen, our booking agent here in LA, he books us these shows, and I don't even ask him for a commission check till we did get like 10 shows under our belt it's not even worth writing the check right, exactly here's your two dollars <laughs> you know i mean it's like seriously send me my 30 dollar check yeah i mean i i aggravate him more calling him to to see well what's what's out there what, like we want to grab a show you know what i mean and it's like you gotta the artist has got to keep that in awareness i mean it used to be where the artist used to sit around and just think that this savior called a manager was going to come and get everything printed and laid out and photo sessions booked and gigs. You know, he'd talk to an agent or find you an agent. And, you know, those days are over. And I'm sure there's still people that they think because they're just writing and rehearsing the music that the manager is supposed to do everything else. You know? well, totally. They, they're under the impression that the, that the manager is sitting there at home working 11 hours a day, only trying to, per, to excel their career, when really, since uh, pretty much everything that, that, artist, that he's doing for that artist is non-commissionable, he probably already has another 15 artists that he's no, take, exactly. trying to take care of as well. well so I think, you know, my, I think one of the greatest character, characteristics of a manager today would be patience. Because it's going to take a while. So if you don't have a patient manager who's willing to actually wait the three to five years for you to grow something that actually can make some money, um, he's probably going to... But don't you think the artist is the one that's got to be more patient? I think if you're a manager, you know you're going to have to be patient. If you believe in an act and you get involved with them, you, you know you're going to have to wait. But it's the artist who sits here and goes, well, you've been my manager for 30 days. What's going well, on? I don't know, what man. what, what I have mean, you done? I think, you know, if we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the new generation of managers and, you know, we're talking about a you know 24-year-old kid who came out of uh, a music business school or whatever, you know, they want, they want to make shit happen now. And that's... You know, Bob Lefsitz talks about this all the time, as we do, and like nothing happens now. Everything happened over ten is, years. Yeah, it's such. Uh, it's hard to make anything blow up when the world is just made of these tiny little niches. Um, so that mass awareness that I think uh, a lot of people grew up with doesn't happen much anymore. You, you know, the the other thing that I get a sense that a lot of younger artists feel that. A manager's therefore is a pocketbook. That the man, you're you're getting a manager to do some of this busy work for you, but the manager's also there to invest money in you. 
and is yeah, going is those... going to put you on the road and is going to put you in the studio and it's like wait a second you know that's not an a manager's not an investor they could be but you're talking about you want somebody to invest in your band that's go knock on your relatives doors and try and sell them on this career as a musician and get them to invest fifty thousand dollars in you and use that yeah. money to build your career a manager's not a bank no never has been i mean even back in the days it's the, they they will corral up money for you and help you show you how you can invest whatever advance monies you get which are non-existent now but you know going back to your other point you know this the, the difference between the patience level is remember that artists have that element of desperation they've got one career they've got one sound they've got one vision where a manager doesn't a manager has right. doesn't have in it that desperate desperate quality because he can represent three or four acts where an artist can't be well this is you want to hear my jazz project or would you like <laughs> to hear my rock project would you like to hear my persona as a rapper or as a metal band you know so I think over time that element of the equation comes into it because the artist has only got one thing to, to bank on where a manager is trying to pool the resources and do something on behalf of, you know, several artists or even one artist. And if it's not, he can jump off tomorrow and grab a rap app. A musician can't really do that. He's got one vision, one career. And I think over time, that completely changes the approach to to what goes on behind you know the the, the nature of the relationship. Ron, Ron, let me, let, let me ask you. So you you've gone through the young band who's had the big name manager who's done all that stuff for you, and now you're basically self managed. But right. do you see a point in time where Little Caesar, as the entity it is now, gets to a a a, a point in a career where you're like I really kind of might need a manager again. When, no, listen, when does I, that happen? Or does I it ever? I needed a manager for five years. I mean, literally, we were just talking. I've, I've spent tens and tens of hours just trying to figure out how to get my equipment over there. Now, that doesn't count. Do I make my merch here and ship it under the plane at this new shipping rate? Do I talk to my merch guy in the UK and have him ship it over with the other stuff I left there to the, my guy in Europe? What's their rate plus tax plus VAT? Plus I got to do an inventory to see how many sizes I need to fill with what I already have. This is tens and tens coming up to hundreds of hours of contemplation and work. Just to have the seat, and then I got to manufacture the CDs. I've got to get the templates for the artwork together. Not to mention getting the guys together in a rehearsal schedule on an Excel sheet. I mean, this is just this is just the tip of the iceberg. Not to mention yeah. keeping accounting for all this to show the guys to book the flights to figure out. Okay, do you have your passports together? I mean. This is just what comes off the top of my head. So I'm the travel agent, the booking agent, the merch guy, you know, manager. The, the shipper, um, you know, the coordinator, the travel court, everything. It goes on and on. So do I need a manager? Yes. Am I going to find a guy to do this for 10 or 15% of what revenue we generate? And dump all this on his lap and for me to expect it's going to get expedited or dealt with properly? Forget it. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, no I, one, no I, one's going to have this the, the sense of urgency and priority um, that you do. I mean, well, it's who's just put up with our BS. Yeah, I mean, really, that's what it boils down to. I don't. I'm a realist. Nobody's going to do this. They're not going to make any money. So right now, we rely on really friendly people that we have long-term relationships with who are pretty much from their aspect in the same boat that we are. Guys that used to be big tour managers who when I call them up and say, you wanna jump in a van with us next August and do this? And they're like, yeah, I'll take some time off of work yeah. and my family to come hang out with you guys to do what I love to do in an environment I love to do with skill set that I love to tap into every once in a while because they're still passionate about making music and they also know that we appreciate them, respect them, aren't going to make their lives a living hell. And we all go to band camp. I mean, that's really what it is. And so it's, it's nobody has a delusion that they're going to pay a mortgage about this. And yeah. so I tap into somebody who's really good at manufacturing or I tap into somebody who's really good at making three phone calls and we have a van, we've got our back line, he knows what time to pick us up at the airport. And... I send him all the hotel information I give him. And so we all work together in a very efficient way to do this because we've done it for so long we can do it in our sleep. And don't expect some sort of music business fairy to come in and fill all the voids and holes because I'm an artist and I've got enough. I, I just, it just taxes all my energy to write that next hit song. It's like, forget it, man. It, that, that you know, it's, it, Anymore. You know, it's, what we're talking about is like, you know, artists having a real um, reality check and just understanding that, you know, what the work is, what work is required. I mean, I hear from, from young artists all the time, the following quote, I shouldn't have to do this. And right. that I know. just blows I that my mind. Colleges, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. There's, there's got to be a better way than me drinking a liquid and crapping for 24 hours. I so shouldn't have to do this. I mean, really. My smartphone, there should be an app that I just sit on and it should tell me the nature of my prostate and, and colon. <laughs> you know? So, welcome to the real world. Yes, I shouldn't exactly. have to do this. <laughs> yeah. So, whenever I hear that, I laugh because it's uh, it's like, okay, well, uh, yeah, you, you might not should, maybe you don't think you should have to, but guess what? You do. Yep, do. Yep. You, you're right. going to have to do that until you're <laughs> making so much money that it is worth it for somebody else to do it for you and commission it. Well, see, that's the thing. Like when I looked into I called up a co cargo company that I dealt with back in the Caesar days that we used to just get a roadie to drop the stuff off at their office down by LAX and it would show up in, in, in London, Right. I called them up. Now, I was complaining that it was going to cost me about 1400 bucks to get equipment just under the plane if I brought it to the airport with a couple of maneuvers of moving one thing from one case to another. I called it Rocket Cargo, $4,000. <laughs> That's what they wanted, to like pick it up, send it, have the paperwork, and have it be ready to just pick it up at some location or they might drop it off to me. Now, that's what I used to pay in the Geffen days. And then we wondered why we never made money when we sold records. Because it's like these Kickstarter campaigns. Oh, uh, XYZ band from 1986 wants to 
put the band back together and go on tour and they want a tour bus. So they're going to start a Kickstarter campaign so that they can live delusionally like they did at the level they did in 1986 so that they have a back lounge and a microwave as opposed to getting in a couple of rental cars and a couple of burritos from this, the this roadside stand. <laughs> so they want their fans to just, you want to come see us in Detroit? You're going to have to pay for it because I don't do that anymore. Exactly. Oh, and you know what? That way, they label it as if we're getting together with the family and going to make this happen. It's like, no, dude, we shouldn't have to do this. If you think a young artist says that, what do you think a guy who's 45 who's got irritable bowel syndrome says, I can't travel <laughs> the band anymore. I need to have that bathroom on a bus. So that I can have, like, so I can do my hair dye and I can put my wardrobe together. And so my road crew has a place to crash to, which we make them sleep on the bus as we pull into the travel lot. And they want the fans to pay for it. And see, the fans don't know that they will not go below a certain level anymore. And so they do a Kickstarter campaign to fund that. And hope that they will do it. And... So that's the new, there's no label, no manager. So let's do a Kickstarter thing. Let's crowdfund my inability to either do the work or lower my standards, you know? And it's a desperate attempt to try to find some sort of non-accountable funding source. You you know, know, you have totally just reminded me of something that I saw on Facebook last week regarding a brand new um, artist's crowdfunding campaign and I think we should probably save that for the next episode Let's because <laughs> there you've raised some very good points about lowering your standards and expectations and all that. Yeah, and- pass this cyber cup. To the, to the people that desperately want to get some, like, you, you get to hang out with them for eight minutes as they step off of that crowdfunded yeah. bus. Come on, and guys, we can do this together. Exactly. Isn't this what this is all supposed to be about now? Yeah. Now give hey, me a hundred dollars. Can we can we yeah, crowd exactly. can we crowdfund the little Caesar little Caesar cargo shipment project yeah, right. here? Yeah, let me get some poor schmuck in Tampa, Florida to kick in 10 bucks so I can go entertain some people in Europe. Yeah, that, that, I feel really comfortable about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Let's, uh, let's carry on with this next week, shall we? Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>